The following program was made possible by Ward's Lawyers. Find us at wardlegal.ca. Hi, Denny Grignot here, host of the Advocate Podcast. We have now produced more than 60 episodes of this twice-monthly program about the stories and people of Kawartha Lakes. And to everyone who has streamed and downloaded episodes, thank you. We're hoping we'll be around for at least another 60, but that relies on you, the listener, to keep listening. So please consider subscribing to the show if you haven't already, and and tell others about us so we can continue to build our audience. Heck, that might just mean we'll be around for another 6,000 episodes, at which time you'll be able to listen from your spaceship. Well, maybe your electric car at least. Okay, let's start episode 64. Very surprised sometimes a lot of people in the Toronto film community that I, I know and work with that um, haven't heard of the cinema and when you let them know that it's there they are very shocked and say oh I gotta get up there how did I not know about this Matt Finland aims to let everyone know about this we reached the filmmaker in the U.S. about what drove him to tell the story of our beloved movie theater in Kinmount a community leader is stepping down after 18 years of service that united us all. Henny Martin Dyke waxes about her almost two decades with a local branch of a national charity. Tim Wisner delivered a standout presentation to 100 men Kawartha Lakes, which might have earned a big donation for the Grove Theatre. But a funny thing happened on the way through that pitch. Tim tells all later in the show. Thanks for joining us for episode 64 of The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes. It's a decision she says she wrestled with, but after 18 years, Penny Barton Dyke has decided to call it a day. The United Way's executive director officially vacates her position in November, leaving her some time to help with the transition to its new executive directors, Emily Beale and Chantal Ingram. There are numerous hallmarks of Penny's nearly two decades in this role, including launching the Edwin Binney Community Gardens on Mary Street, a partnership with Crayola and Fleming College. That's where I am right now, in fact. As is Penny Barton Dyke. Penny, thanks for, for meeting me here. Thanks for having me. I quoted you when I said wrestled. That's a term that you used, that you wrestled with this decision. So tell me about that whole process, that, that wrestling process. If I, I think um, the wrestling part was to leave working with people who are such great leaders in, in our communities. I just have the privilege of working with incredible, knowledgeable uh, people from many sectors. So to not have those meetings, which have been a big part of my life, and I also feel like I learn every time I'm in those meetings. So for me, learning is an ongoing thing all of my life, so I'm going to miss those people and uh, who I admire and learn from. So we talked about community building when I was hired by the committee, and, and, and that was really a loose term, but it has become a very... I would say a crafted skill for all of us at United Way in having active listening, thinking outside the box to solve issues. Uh, we did an action for neighborhood change at Red Pine. We worked with social workers with the city, the Optimist Club, the police, 
and what was happening there they had a lot of uh, drug use on site they needed activities for their kids and every time they had on the budget for the municipality a basketball court it would get cut they wanted an accessible playground it got cut they wanted a meeting room and it was not even on the agenda so we took the skills we learned from community matters and went in with the social workers and met the folks there and talked to the kids separately and had them identify their top three needs and then we wasn't my job to build a basketball court but we reached out to the, the optimists the police uh, boys and girls club and we came together collaborated and uh, raised money and we were able to ba uh, build a half a basketball court and provide every household with a basketball so well let's talk about something that's a little bit more uh, within the auspices of, of the united way we're here at the community gardens and you actually wanted to do this interview you, you wanted this conversation to take place here with the the plants surrounding us and, and the greenhouse why did you want this spot this garden took two years plus of active collaborations we had more than 30 uh, experts and um, donors and volunteers uh, we had the college and Crayola at the table talking about food security and beyond food security so what we have created here is an education center and also a food security um, system I think what it is simply is about collaboration about many agencies and experts coming together and thinking a bit outside the box our dream was really blue sky when we started and we'd already built about 150 garden plots around the city and in Halliburton so we had a little taste of what no pun intended what those boxes could do in neighborhoods and help people I kind of see your career with the United Way as I'm sure you probably do broken into two sections I guess we have the first 16 years or so and then there's the last two and a half years how do you compare those two? One of the good things about what we did the, for the first 16 years is create really good practices in fundraising, delivering money to um, projects that are high priority. And so during COVID, um, we were able to be very nimble. And we were also fortunate as a movement to get federal funds. So we were able to pump a lot of money into agencies here and in Halliburton a to help them keep their doors open but mostly to help people who were in crisis and so um, it was certainly a big learning curve to go from being face-to-face -face in meetings and adjusting making sure everybody was at home and safe um, and going to zoom meetings um, it was challenging and of course uh, the last two years have been really, really difficult because most workplaces, which is a major part of our campaign, have been closed. And so we have still managed to grow food and those are right now part of our allocation system. And um, so yes, it, it. I think it, not just for me, I think for all leaders, it's been stressful, right? Mm -hmm. If the penny of today could go back 18 years and talk to the penny of 18 years ago on that first day, 
on the job. What would today's Penny tell Penny of 18 years ago? Um, be brave. Demonstrate brave leadership. Make sure that you engage all people, volunteers, donors, recognize your colleagues and, and cherish them because those are the experts that are sitting at the t community tables. Be a part of the every collaboration you can be that won't be overwhelming. Be kind and have an open heart and try and think with your mind and your brain and, and work with your board to do the same. Once you're gone, it's going to be hard for you to not see that United Way logo. It's hard for anybody to not see it because it's everywhere. So once you're completely divested of, of your role, what will it be like when, when you see that logo or, or you drive past these community gardens here on, on Mary Street? What, what are you preparing yourself for? I, I think a sense of pride and um, I, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I guess I'll learn. I, it'll, it'll be uh, different for me. I've always been, I've always had a job since I was 13. And so uh, I likely will <laughs> find something to do in the spring. But uh, I think I'll just continue to see that logo and know that it's about community. Hi, my name is Penny Barton Dyke and I live in Lindsay and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. We are brought to you by Ward's Lawyers and have been brought to you by Ward's Lawyers since that very first episode way back in early 2020. Carissa Ward and her team have all your legal needs covered. You can find out what they can do for you by visiting their really super cool website, wardlegal.ca. Our show is also 100% local media and part of The Advocate magazine and The Advocate Online. Our publisher is Roderick Benz, who tells us what's in the newest issue of the magazine. So you're not sure how to vote yet, eh? Well, that's where we come in. The latest Advocate on Magazine Stands Now is our special municipal edition with stories by municipal affairs writer Kirk Winter. It's jam-packed with great information on all six candidates vying for mayor and a breakdown of all eight wards and the race to elect a brand new council. Don't miss this special edition of The Advocate magazine. Pick up your copy in Lindsay at Lamantia's Country Market, at Sobeys in Fenland Falls, or at Foodland in Bob Cajun, among many other places. In just a moment, we're going to introduce you to a man whose recent act is a display of unselfishness and kindness for the greater good of his community. An act that some 120 men did not see coming, which makes it that much more special. But before we speak to that man, a bit of background, give this a listen. You can literally raise $10,000 in one hour um, with the help of your friends um, if you've got hundred friends, hundred dollars, that's $10,000, which is a big impact for the local charities. Plus we saw how other charities, even if they weren't selected, they had an opportunity to present to big hearted, community minded men, um, information about their organization. That was Richard so Goddard from episode 53 of this program way back in mid April. Richard is one of the leaders of 100 men Kawartha Lakes. You heard Richard there explain how it works. There are a group of men now actually the number 120 each man writes a check for $100 to the winning presenter. 
Well, at its most recent gathering, the man just had to decide between two groups, even though three groups were presenting. That's the norm. All right, this math might be a bit confusing. Tim Wisner is here to explain it. Tim made a presentation on behalf of the Grove Theatre in Fenland Falls. We've reached Tim at his place of business in Fenland, home by Tim and Chris and the Colburn Street Gallery. Tim, thanks for speaking with us. Denny, thanks for having me on the podcast. Before we get to the big reveal here, I want to bait people a little bit about what transpired at that meeting. Why don't you tell me a bit about your pitch to the 100 men recently and, and, and your involvement with the Grove Theatre? I'm one of the co-founders of the Grove Theatre, uh, and uh, we were invited to present to the uh, 100 men of Corth Lakes group. Uh, we are currently heading into our second, second season uh, come the summer and uh, find ourselves in uh, need of upgrading uh, and purchasing some some significantly expensive sound equipment so we can present the shows that uh, that we we will be doing there. That's what I was there for uh, that day. Just so we can tell the listeners here that the, the, the Grove is, of course, a nonprofit organization. So you're certainly a worthy candidate to be seeking money from the 100 men. Yes, thank you. Yeah, we are. Uh, we are not for profit. Uh, and, uh, you know, we we are a a cultural organization and you know like all cultural organizations in the country we rely on donors we rely on uh donations because you know ticket uh, ticket revenues only cover a a, a small portion of uh, of the costs of uh, running a venue like that and, and running the programming that we do. Why don't you tell me about the other two presenters that night the other two nonprofits that you were competing against? Yeah, the uh, other two uh, nonprofits that evening were uh, a place called Home and uh, Center of Hope, uh, which runs a food bank uh, in, in Lindsay and, and, and Greater Cortha Lakes uh, uh, services as well. A place called Home uh, went first. I went second and, and, and knew that the uh, Center of Hope was still coming up after me. All right. Well, let's do the big reveal now. Why don't you tell us what happened after all three people <laughs> made their presentation, Tim? Well, I, I, in my presentation, when I, when I went second, you know, I, Hey, don't get me wrong. I'm a big believer in culture. I'm a big believer in, in the impact that, uh, that cultural spaces and cultural programming have in a community, but people need to eat. People need a roof over their head. I realize that the Grove theater is, is, is a, is a, is a nice to have. It's a, it's a great to have. But it's not a must-have, uh, and certainly shelters and food banks are are things that you know really you know are are need to haves and and need that money at this point in time especially you know more than we do. So I bowed out. I asked the hundred men members to 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 not vote for us that evening. Uh, you know, there's a lot of ways to support cultural organizations. The, you know, one of the biggest of which is 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 to go, is to purchase tickets, is to be giving of your, of your time and uh, and 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 energy to uh, attend something. I can I can uh, sen I can so sense this, Tim. You're you're really working to deflect this away from you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna press you because this was a big gesture. What what was uh, the moment when you thought, you know what, I, I think it should go to one of these two other organizations what what tipped uh, the scales there that made you opt out denny i i went in knowing who the other two organizations were we were we were we were told a day or two in advance i went in knowing that that this was the right thing to do again i believe in culture i, I believe in the importance of that but people need to be fed people need a house over there a roof over their heads hmm. what was their reaction because you could see them you're standing before them what was their reaction 
when you drop this on them? Uh, uh, I think a lot of uh, nods of appreciation. Um, I think people get that. I, I think people know, you know, the the the, the state of the world and uh, that that's important. Um, and spoke with spoke with many men afterwards who uh, who were 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 pleased with that uh, with with that presentation. Yeah, it's the it's the right thing to do at the time. Well, it's the right thing to do, but let, let's be honest. A lot of organizations would think, well, they're worthy organizations, but so am I. So, what were the the rea- What was the reaction of the other two organizations when they, when you bowed out? You know, I I, I spoke with both organizations afterwards, and you know, we're all doing good work, right? We're all doing good, important work, and you know, we all have our support systems, and we all have our networks, and. Uh, they needed it more that evening. Uh, you know, we will continue to fundraise. We will continue to do this. I think that we, in a in a city like the Kawartha Lakes, can can do that and can do that together. I think there's plenty of goodwill and uh, to go around. Uh, and all of these organizations do important work, and we're going to continue to do ours. Hey, I know this wasn't your goal. It was all about just turning it over to to one or two other organizations that you felt were worthy, but did 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 the Grove possibly make a little bit of headway in this as well? Any time that I get to stand up and talk about the Grove Theater, I'll do it. Uh, I, am, uh, I am not short on words, which anybody on the Grove <laughs> Theater board will be uh, more than uh, happy to tell you. Yeah, any time that we can, we can talk about the Grove Theater is, is going to be a good time. And Standing up in front of the 120 men, I was quite happy to just tell them about the place. Hopefully that's 120 men and their families and their friends and their spouses and all of those that will come and get to uh, enjoy the Grove Theatre, you know, while these other very worthy organizations uh, get the support that they need as well. Hi, I'm Tim Weisner from Fenland Falls, and you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. If you're wondering who the recipient was of those $120, $100 checks that evening, well, congratulations going out to Kawartha Lakes Center of Hope. Now, if you want to hear that entire interview with Richard Goddard of the 100 Men and learn how you can become a part of that group, go through our archives. It is episode 53. Hey, who knows? Maybe you could help make it 121 men, 122, 123. Early theaters were built for the architecture and the beauty and to just transform people to another place. They had this few minutes in the dark in this beautiful cathedral. Today, it's just like advertising, plastic seats, and crap. If you're going to put a theater, and never mind five theaters, in a town of 300 people, then you're going to have to make it so people talk about it. You know, five theaters attached to a guy's house in the middle of nowhere. You sort of wonder, what is this place? That is a trailer for an upcoming film called The Movie Man. More information on that upcoming part in a bit. 
Now, when you think of the movie man here in Kawartha Lakes, how can you not think of Keith Stata and his beloved, our beloved, Highland Cinemas on that hill in Kinmount? This is not your run-of-the-mill multiplex after all. You know, you could see a terrible movie there and you'd still have a great time. It's part movie memorabilia museum, part cinema, each with its own decorative theme, all breathtaking in its quirky uniqueness, just like the man who built it almost 40 years ago and continues to run it to this day, Keith Stata. Matt Finlan is going to tell the story of Keith Stata and the Highland Cinemas in a new documentary. Matt is a film director and partner at Door Knocker Media. He's currently working on a digital fundraising show for EB Research Partnership, co-founded by Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam. That project is taking place far, far away from Kinmount in New York City. That's where we have reached Matt Finland. Hi, Matt. Thanks for making time for us. Hi, Denis. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, I got to ask you, given where you are now, how exotic does the Highland Cinemas seem when you compare it to your immediate surroundings of, of that part of the United States? Well, I think New York City is uh, the greatest city in the world, I think. But that being said, I don't think there is a place in New York City that is quite like Highland Cinemas. So I think... Uh, Highland Cinemas is uh, is very special and could fit right in, you know, anywhere with uh, any theater in New York City. What Keith has done uh, with Highland Cinemas is, uh, you know, created something so unique. Um, it would fit in, in 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 a place like New York, where uh, you know there are so many things that are uh, very special and unique. So uh, maybe not the forest; it would have to be in Central Park somewhere, <laughs> maybe hidden in some trees. But um, uh, no, Keith Keith has uh, really created, um, and I thought what you said in your intro was um, really spot on. He has he has created a place where no matter what movie you go see. It's really the experience that he has provided for generations of moviegoers that is really, really extraordinary and something to be cherished. Well, tell me about your relationship with it, because I know that you grew up in southern Ontario, and I'm going to guess you were one of those kids who came up to Cottage up in that area. So maybe just tell us a little bit about your history to that cinema specifically. When I, Yeah, when I was, I guess, 11 years old, uh, we were camping up there and my family friends said one night it was raining and we're going to take you guys to the movies. Okay. And it's not going to be like a movie you've ever seen before. And so my, my friends, uh, whose kids were the same age as us said, Oh, this place, you know, it's like, a, it's a built out of a guy's house. And so, you know, as an 11 year old, you don't really know what you're about to experience until you, you know, drive up this long road into the woods and you really couldn't see the building or have a real sense of it until you walk into this door into the doors and it was a labyrinth of uh of what you see still today and the first movie i saw maybe i wasn't supposed to at the time but was terminator 2 judgment day um and sitting in one of those theaters but you know and being very quite distracted by the decorations and the memorabilia and it really was um, that experience when I was 11 that inspired me to do uh, what I do today. You know, as my love for cinema and wanting to make movies grew, you know, it was always something in the back of my mind when I'd be working with someone and, you know, talking about going to the movies and like, oh, you oh, you have to go to the Highland Cinemas and you, it'd be such a fun story to tease to somebody without giving away what a um, spectacular place that was. 
And then I guess it was probably in 2012, I was living in New York City for about five years and I was coming home to visit for the summer. And I thought, oh, I'd, you know, it'd be really great to tell, you know, just to go up there and shoot like a really small vignette on what this place was that was just so inspiring to, to me. And I, I didn't get around to it um, until um, I guess 2018 is when I called Keith and I said, hey, could I come up there for a few days? And I didn't know him at all. And he was very gracious to say, okay. And I thought, you know, we'd go shoot a very small vignette and get some, you know, cool video and maybe a quick interview. And, and that would be that. Then I realized there was a, there was a larger story there. The impetus of why I think there was a real documentary there and it is why the movie is called The Movie Man is it because it's because of Keith. Um, he is the cinema and the cinema is him. Like they are <laughs> like a symbiotic <laughs> entity. I, you know, I don't think that the theater could be what it is without, you know, the character of Keith Stata. And, and I don't think Keith would, you know, be able to do anything else, but he very much is married to that cinema and what he has created there for thousands of people and created memories for generations of people. Um, that is a really interesting story uh, to tell and, and the world we live in now where, you know, you can see virtually any movie you want at the, on your phone or tablet or, you know, and sitting in your, the comfort of your home. That's why now it's a, it's a timely movie as well, because that experience, there's a, there's a feeling in the air that that experience could be going away. And coincidentally, I, I just saw Where the Crawdads Sing at that theater. And then two weeks later, it's it's here on television. But I, I wanted to ask you, uh, in your research of the theater and, and when you finally got to sit down and speak to Keith, what did you learn about him that maybe you didn't know before? I, hmm, that's a great question. I learned that, you know, I think what was obvious is that Keith's attention to detail and his desire to really create something special when you walk in the door um, from the moment you get your popcorn and buy your ticket to, you know, sitting in the theater to the, you know, the details of the cinemas that he's created inside with the curtain, whether it's from the curtains or the decor um, or the, where the seats are all the way to you leave. And you may walk past all of his very uh, plethora of kittens that are wandering around that um, I'm sure we can talk about some more, but I think the other thing I, I think is really important to note. And I hope that comes through in the film is Keith's um, vibrant sense of humor despite adversity uh, of where he decided to create the theater in a very small town, um, despite all the challenges of the industry and switching to digital, you know, or the way that movie going is sort of being threatened right now, he really just deeply, deeply cares. And I think if you know Keith Stata, he may seem from the outside that he may have a bit of a gruff exterior, um, which is part of his charm. But at the same time, he is um, a deeply uh, caring person that cares very much about his staff that work there and that he wants the young people working for him to learn something when they're there that they can take along with them. You know, for moviegoers, he, he really does want people to have a special experience 
um, when they come there. Yeah, mission accomplished, I would say, too, for anybody who walks through those doors. I'm, I'm like a lot of people in Kawartha Lakes. That's one of the first places I take uh, visitors when they, uh, when, when they come to the area. As a director, you, you want to be sure that the story you're telling isn't just really enthralling for you. You want it to be enthralling for the people who are going to consume it. So how did you come to that point, Matt, when you realize that, no, this isn't just a story I like. This is a story that I want everybody to know and everybody should know, even those people who may never, ever visit Kinmount. I think that we can all look back and have had an experience of sitting in the theater with a group of people and experiencing something funny, something scary, you know, something that may have changed your perspective on the world we live in or the, or the way that you approach life. And I think we can identify with that. And I think that over the last few years when, you know, we weren't able to go sit in a gathering of people, whether it's in a movie theater or, or at a concert or to go see comedy or something like that, where we enjoy these things with a group of people. Um, I think showing that to the world now and how that was under threat and where now the theater has persevered, at least in the short term, can really connect with people. Um, on those levels. So really the Highland Cinemas can be an ambassador to all movie theaters around the world when we're trying to get people back inside to watch a movie on the big screen. It really can. And I think people love going to the movies and and maybe the convenience of watching things at home or on your phone um, trumps it at times. But um, there are those that really do feel that, you know, that experience of of sitting in the movie theater is something special and something to be revered. And very special in that theater, for sure. Hi, I'm Matt Finland. I am the director of The Movie Man. And you're listening to The Advocate Podcast, stories from Kawartha Lakes. The Movie Man is planned for release next year. Its director, whom I spoke with there, is Matt Finland. And just announced, one of the documentary's executive producers is Ed Robertson of The Bare Naked Ladies, who, like Matt and many, many others, is a huge fan of Kinmount's Highland Cinemas, which, by the way, has not yet wrapped up its 2022 season. To find out what movies are playing there now, go to highlandcinemas.com. Okay, let's see if I can channel film director Matt Finlan there with this. That's a wrap for episode 64. Now, I'll leave the directing to the real directors. Our thanks to our official and exclusive sponsor, Ward's Lawyers. They are the reason we exist. Ward's Lawyers has a team led by Carissa Ward that can cater to all your legal needs. Go to their website, wardlegal.ca, to find out how. The music you hear on our program is written and performed by the very talented Gerald Van Halteren. Reach out to us via our Facebook or Twitter pages, both of which you can subscribe to, just like this show on your favorite streaming platform. Just search The Advocate Podcast, Stories from Kawartha Lakes, which, by the way, is written, produced, and hosted by me, Denis Grignel. Stay safe, get boosted, get out to one of our local fairs. Be kind, especially to all those retailers and all those service and emergency personnel who've been guiding us through this. Talk to you in two weeks.